the Severe MMA Podcast Premium with Sean Sheehan and Graham McDonald. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA Podcast. And today is a preview of the Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker card. UFC on ESPN 14, Wikipedia tells me it is the last fight on Fight Island. Uh, we said last week on the podcast, and we said a couple of weeks ago that we'd do uh, a preview and uh, a review for all of these cards on Fight Island. So uh, here we go. If you're not signed up to Patreon, please sign up. Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. Um, we're kind of halfway maybe to our goal <laughs> so if you sign up there you can keep us going we'll have more podcasts and more free podcasts and more uh content up there as well and we've plenty we've three or four podcasts up there uh every week and even more and on some big weeks for uh the pay-per-views and everything like that and thanks everyone who's already signed up we appreciate you all fair play to you graham how are you how's your how's your week been how was your night last night were you delighted to see liverpool winning the lifting the premier league trophy at midnight on a wednesday in july yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Front of all people. <laughs> well, like, you know, only about 40, 40 or 50,000 would be able to get in there anyway. So yeah. the experience would be similar enough for <laughs> for uh, 99% of the people anyway. That's true. That's so, true. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was good to finally do it. It was good to do it in uh, after an exciting, you know, high scoring game as well with a lot of quality goals and uh you know Chelsea kind of had a lot to play for and Liverpool kind of didn't uh but they still like you know uh it's still like yeah you know in in a way it, it helped man united which is always which is always annoying but uh you wouldn't we don't really worry about them anymore because there's yeah. just just kind of like that that uh, tier below yeah but we're we're that tier below but we'll improve as well man united into third now you know we're coming for you next year when you're with your old decrepit players <laughs> falling around the place you're all 30 year old players all yeah tactical brilliance yeah he's beaten Klopp this year he's beaten uh he's beaten everyone he's beaten fucking pep guardiola four times he's beaten when did he Frank beat Klopp? okay maybe he didn't beat Klopp. he drew a club <laughs> he drew a club uh, yeah. these things happen Anyway. Yeah, you know, it shows a lot of respect from when Man City put out a, a half full team against Man United. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, coming from Liverpool who put out a fucking under sixteen like, I'll, team. I'll, 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 I'll show you, like, I'll show you the the PowerPoint. I'll show you the PowerPoint. Show, show me the PowerPoint. <laughs> All right, look. Speaking of Liverpool, uh, Darren Till fights Robert Whitaker this weekend in the uh, main event of this card over in Fight Island. And okay, oh, before we get into that, a little bit about to- Fight Island because we haven't really been talking about it on the podcast so much. Someone asked a question over in the Q and A and I talked about it a bit but I'm interested to hear what you say like we, I think a big problem with the UFC we talked about it on a podcast recently is like the entertainment value of the UFC and inside the cage there's well there's maybe little bits of problems with entertainment but we still get entertaining fights a lot of the time and especially if you love like high level technical fights we're getting them you know over and over and over or you have like a Till versus Hooker which put, puts both of them together or a Gustafson Jones which puts both of them, both of them together or Carmier Steep or whoever it might be you know there's some great fantastic fights but I think like what they're lacking a little bit is the KSW factor or the Ryzen factor or something like that, you know, where they have the the, the madness outside of it. And I'm not, I'm not saying go, going overboard or anything like that, but they had a built-in opportunity here. They're doing it on Fight Island. They're calling it themselves Fight Island. They're the ones that hyped it up, not us. Well, we did as well, but... And then they do nothing. It just looked like this could be in fucking Belfast or it could be in, you know... Detroit, or it could be in fucking Paris, and you wouldn't know the difference. It looks the exact same as any other place. Okay, it looks like a small arena or whatever. 
you know, with with no people in, but they're darking out the crowds behind it or the the uh, the seats behind it or whatever you want to be, so you can't really see it anyway, which is kind of which is normal enough for MMA fights. I just feel like they missed out on an opportunity to make it a little bit special. To you know, to do just something fun, something funny outside. Maybe as they walk to the cage, or you know, put torches around the cage, or something. So just something to make it a bit funny, make it a bit fun. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like they missed the beat. What, what do you think? Am I am I going overboard? Um, I know what you mean, but I think that it's basically just that they're getting paid to do these shows by. Uh... Abu Dhabi so they're just going to do them and try to make it kind of special but it doesn't for me it doesn't come across that it just comes across as another another fight on, on TV it doesn't have any specialness to us to it I don't know how like little things like that maybe but I don't know how they could really make it too different um but Dana White, like, White obviously says he's the guy for the bells and whistles he puts on, like the excitement he puts on the show. And okay, it's easier when there's fans there, but like to make it, I'm sure they have great producers and everything like that. And I'm sure ESPN have great producers too. Like they could surely even bring in someone who would help them with that. Who would, you know, do just it's only like little things to make it a little bit special. I know like lots of people probably listen to this or totally against the whole fight island thing and you know the the whole concept of it, and they just want normal fights or whatever, but. I don't know when you like when you build it up that much, like even if they could do something right, you know they had they said that had that octagon on the beach. Why not have them like shoot a video right where you have uh, Joseph Benavides walking out of the octagon on the beach, and you know he opens the door and he comes down and he walks down the stairs and like shoot it like two days beforehand but the next thing you show him coming out and he's coming out you know at the venue itself and he comes straight in so it looks like he's coming from the octagon on the beach straight into the actual octagon you know something like that it'd be cool it'd be funny you could you know you could make a thing out of it and you could make it a little bit more special and so we'd remember this like if we look back said the next time Darren Till fights and I look back and I rewatched his fight to, to have a, like a technical perspective or whatever on, on his performance I'm not going to even know about Fight Island like even UFC 200 you know it's UFC 200 because they have the yellow cage. You know, it's a little bit different. People hated the yellow cage. Uh, yeah, enough, yeah that yellow cage was off-putting, though. Like, all them them like changes when you're actually watching the fight, I, w- I would be I, I'd agree with that against. As well, yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. But, like, you can do things outside of the cage that make it a little bit more special. I I feel I like the fun has gone out of the UFC a little bit. Like, MMA is, MMA is entertainment. Like, it's sports entertainment. Real sports entertainment. I, I we just need to make it make it a little bit entertaining. I think they missed out on a beat like that. But look, there's there's a side of it as well as you mentioned there. They got paid by Abu Dhabi. You know that article came out, and I think it was Lawrence Epstein. The I think he's the COO maybe of the UFC, but he's one of the the top money men anyway in the UFC. And uh, he said, you know, exactly what you said there a few minutes ago. They got paid by Abu Dhabi to come over there, and you know, that's been happening for a long time i don't think you know i don't think it was a surprise to anyone to know that happened but for them to say it maybe was a little bit of a surprise but like the we talked about as well a few times on the podcast and we'll get into the fight in a second but you know the ufc kind of claiming or hinting that it's kind of going to be a rough time for them and they're not going to have as much money and uh, you know the fighters like conor mcgregor and john jones and stuff maybe it's better off for them to wait until they get all this money back again but they haven't lost out in this into the espn money i would say because they're putting on all these events again okay they missed a couple of weeks but they've they've you know they've done midweek ones and brought them back and now they're getting extra money as well for abu dhabi uh, from Abu Dhabi even to make up for the the crowds being missing so to to the UFC I don't know I'm sure they've missed out a little bit and merchandise and all, all of that sort of stuff at the venue and uh, you know people paying in at the venue as well but 
uh, they've done pretty well for themselves, haven't they? Like, it, oh, it's an interesting time for the UFC, isn't it? Because I think they tried to spin it, kind of a poor mouth there for a while, but they kind of let themselves <laughs> let themselves down, not let, uh, you know, and, and kind of let their fighters down as well in another way uh, by uh, by what they've done. But do you, like, do you think after all of this, maybe it'll be a chance for McGregor and Jones and all them to maybe come back? Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously the the heads of ESPN and Disney and all them are, are definitely going to want those big fights. Like, mm-hmm. they're obviously they're just happy at the moment with coronavirus going on to have any fights uh, to be taken over. But as time goes on and things resume normality, they're, they're going to want these these big shows that when, when they bought this company were happening, you know. Uh, at the time, there was like, there was a couple of, two or three even huge shows every year. And, you know, they can be forgiven definitely forgiven this year with the, with all the you know unprecedented shit going on but they're, they're definitely going to want to start making those those huge uh gate receipts of over 10 million that they were getting and things like that and these huge pay-per-views and uh obviously they'd be they'd be very happy with some of the if some of the numbers that we're hearing for uh for the recent shows the recent pay-per-views are true then they'll be very happy with those numbers but i think they'd probably be a bit wary that maybe that's because because people are at home and all that stuff and it won't last but you know the masvidal thing um People saying he's a big star, he's a big yeah. bull. Maybe he is, but no. I, I, I just, I just doubt it somehow. No, he's not, like I, I tweeted it there a couple of weeks ago. After Conor McGregor, COVID nineteen is the biggest draw in UFC history. Like it genuinely is. It actually like Masvidal, and I'm not saying Masvidal isn't the draw for this one fight. I actually think he bumped up the number hugely <clears throat> because those people staying at home needed someone like a Masvidal who's kind of caught their eye a little bit to bring it up. But I don't think Masvidal is a guy like. <clears throat> let's say if John Jones lost, his next fight would still be huge. McGregor lost, we've seen it, and his next fight was still huge uh, a, a couple of times. Does Masvidal have that? You know, it's different when you're a guy like McGregor who comes through and he has this in- invincibility factor uh, in the UFC and he loses to Diaz and he immediately fights him again, like, can he get it back? And then he does get it back. And, it, you know, and even, then, even after that, when he loses again against uh, Habib, the, the Cerrone number is still big. Now, with with say John Jones, it's going to be the same thing. He has that invincibility factor. If he loses, I'm sure the next one will be even bigger. It, because look at the the Gustafson one. Uh, that wasn't a big one, but after that was even bigger because people thought he might lose. With Masvidal, I don't know. Does he have that? Maybe if he, you know, if he fights McGregor, if he fights Diaz again, I think if he fights Diaz again, it'd be very interesting. But yeah, I I, I would agree with you there. I don't think he's the biggest draw in the world. I think if that fight happened outside of COVID nineteen, I don't think it'd draw half as much. Literally, it's uh, half as much. But it's uh, it's an interesting topic, and it's interesting to see when uh, the NFL. I think someone tweeted out last night's coming back in fifty six days or something like that. Baseball is back, I believe, this week. Um, I think. Uh, NBA is coming back as well so all the American sports are on the way back here in the next two months when all of them come back how well are the UFC fights going to sell I would say a lot less but or maybe you know maybe hearing oh Masvidal's this big draw he did all these numbers will make people more interested in him that kind of fake yeah. it till you make it kind of thing I don't even know if these these numbers are real like maybe the UFC are doing a bit of that and the ESPN are doing a bit of that that if we say this guy is a big draw that gets people to oh maybe i'll pay attention to this guy yeah sure. um, and he probably will get some kind of bump because like obviously it's it's not ideal that he fought usman and got dominated pretty much mm-hmm. but um you know people can kind of forget about that or you know short notice bad style matchup all that stuff mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I think like you probably will get some kind of like star boost off of all of this. But I, I like people are saying that oh, he's the biggest draw behind Connor and all that stuff. I just, uh, I just seriously doubt it. Yeah. And I'm very wary of all these numbers coming from ESPN. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Uh, right. So, <laughs> twelve minutes into the podcast, Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till. Uh, I watched a bit of tape on both of them. I did the, the rewatch this week for uh, Whitaker versus Jacker, and it's. Okay, watching Jack Graham for for a till fight maybe wouldn't make much of a, much sense, but I, it was up on YouTube, so I said I'd do it, and that actually brought me to a different look at Robert Whitaker because Whitaker we see him a lot of time. I think what Whitaker is brilliant at is breaking the rhythm of his opponent. He's just fantastic at doing that. He's done it against almost everyone he's fought. Maybe maybe Wonderboy and Adesanya, uh, the only ones he kind of hasn't done it against. But he, he kind of comes forward. He hits you before you have even the opportunity to think about throwing your shot. And he just kind of ruins your mind and ruins your game plan. I think that's he, what he's excellent at. But in the fight against Jacare, he was more kind of standoffish and counter-striking and letting him try to do... Uh, try to come forward and uh, the fight changed a couple of times where he was going forward and things like that but I think against Till it's interesting um, what he does because Till at times I watched back Till versus Gaslam there this morning and Till like Till is a guy who will kind of come forward and we saw him against Cerrone he'll throw one twos down the middle and put on the pressure and he, he has this kind of the skip forward thing that he does a lot of times but in in that Gaslam fight, you see a lot of him kind of backing up letting Gaslam come on to him and countering as well so like these guys have different styles and different ways of doing it. I'm very interested to see how they actually fight. Like, I feel like Till, uh, you know, th- there is a tendency, as well, like, t- remember Till against uh, Wonderboy? It wasn't the greatest fight in the world, a very close fight because of that. They kind of, their styles kind of, they turned into a, a case where neither of them were thrown much, you know? And I could happen in this. Now, with Robert Whitaker. <laughs> Robert Whittaker doesn't always happen. Uh, maybe that fight was a bit, a bit of a, an outlier, but I think there is the possibility. But there's also the possibility that both of them try to come forward, both of them try to take the center of the cage, and then you know they go hell for leather throwing big shots. Um, and it's very interesting. Like I think, uh, uh, well, before we get into, I think what happens. What, how do you think it'll, it'll work out? Do you think it could be a standoffish fight, or do you think they'll be throwing bombs at each other? Um. <laughs> I can see why you think it could be a standoff, but I don't think it will be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know. Like I've kind of, I've kind of at the start of like when this fight was announced, I would have been like, "Oh, Whitaker's definitely going to win this," mm-hmm. and I'm, I still pick Whitaker. But uh, I think this could be a closer fight. I think, I think just the style matchup is decent for Till. Uh, but I, uh, uh, barring like some kind of like. Um, drop off from Whitaker if he if he's anything like he's been over like the the last the last three fights even though I probably you know he obviously lost Adesanya and it was a very close uh close decision with um with Yo Romero mm-hmm. but uh it hasn't been hasn't been like dominant like we we kind of maybe thought it would be when he when he became the champion but I still think he just has slightly more everywhere like on the feet down tails obviously very good but that Muay Thai style is kind of I, I I think Whitaker has enough there to do it. I like I I wouldn't be surprised if Till landed a big punch and and put him down. I wouldn't be that surprised. But I do think the the most likely thing is that uh, that Whitaker wins most, if not all rounds, in a in a lopsided enough decision. Yeah, like I yeah I I tend to agree with you. I think 
those are the two most likely outcomes. I think Till Early could knock him out with a big shot. Because Whitaker, like if Whitaker does fight this come forward fight where he's trying to put the pressure and try to break the rhythm of Till, which he normally does against fighters, that that's brilliant and it stops people from throwing shots. But it also encourages them to maybe throw shots earlier or to kind of step back, wait for you to come in and then counter you, which Darren Till is very good at and he could knock him out. But watching all of Till's fights, and especially that Gaston fight, Till looks tired very quickly, you know, he is, he's one of those, these guys that I don't think he has the best cardio in the world, and not saying, you know, he's useless or anything, and, you know, he can go five rounds, we've seen him before, but I feel like, I feel like Whitaker over five rounds will be a lot better than Till, and if he fights a higher pace and doesn't get knocked out in the first two or three rounds, I think four and five will be very, very tough for Darren Till, because we've seen Whitaker, he's well able to do and well able to keep going, and Till at that higher pace... I don't know if I don't know if he'll be able to stick in there with Whitaker that much. Now I don't think he's just gonna fade totally and die after fucking three and a half rounds, maybe like Jose Aldo did gone down cutting so much weight against Peter Yan, but I, I you know it could this could be another one. You know, you said it'd be a lopsided enough decision. Like the way Darren Till fights and the way judging is, uh, MMA fights are judged these days, if he lands one big shot after getting beaten in the whole round by Robert Whitaker and knocks him down that could be around for Darren Till. He could do that again in the second. And, you know, if if that happens and he wins the first two, and as I predict, Whitaker might win the last two, that third round, it could be it could be one of these situations as well where there's a big third round there in the middle and it's a it's a close decision. But, I, like, I find this fight, it's I think it's hard to predict. I think, I think it could be a decision for either of them because Till sometimes surprises us the way he fights. Or I think Till could knock Whitaker out. I'd be surprised enough if Whitaker did knock Till out. Although, you know, Till has been knocked out before before by guys, who, in my opinion, uh, who are uh, inferior fighters to, to Robert Whitaker. You know, Masvidal knocked him out. I don't think Masvidal is as good as Whitaker. But it's a very interesting fight. It, I, I'm not 100% sure it'd be a brilliant fight. But I'm like... 60% sure of him when I fight, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I don't know, actually, I like, I, I'd probably just go Whitaker, but this isn't the fight I'd be betting on. Like, you know, this is a fight I kind of avoid because there's so many different integers which could decide. And the thing about Whitaker as well is, you know, we talk about it an awful lot. Fighters who are coming out, who lost the title, you know, what's their motivation to come back? You know, he got knocked out by uh, by Adesanya, like, ooh, after winning, fight, you know, every fight since Wonder by Thompson back in 2014. Uh, a lot of kind of injuries mixed in there you have to overcome as well Mm -hmm. that's very true so like this is a huge fight for him to see if he can come back and beat someone like darren taylor and put himself right back in in the uh in the picture again and you know big fight for for both of them um after that in the co-main event mauricio shogun who had taken on antonio hogerio Nogueira in what's apparently his last fight. We'll see about that. He's only fought twice in the last four years as little nog against shogun uh I like I think Shogun just just based on that fact alone and the fact Shogun has looked you know he's looked pretty good recently for for a guy of although I think he's only like what Shogun's only like 35 I think is he uh let me look uh 38 but he he should be about 50 he's been around fighting for so long but I think Shogun should I, yeah, I think he's going to box him up. Yeah, reminds, I remember, I don't know how many years ago I saw this video, but it was like, I think Shogun was like 15 or 16 years old, and he's like, did a video of him like fighting and uh, having a fight in like a house with like loads of people in the house watching open banisters and stuff. So he's so he's been around for a long time. <laughs> a long time. Even his, uh, 
started early in pride and like fought tough guys so he's definitely got a lot of damage on him and, and ring time but you know the same if not more for Lil Nog mm-hmm. so yeah I'd have to I'd have to go with Shogun in this one yeah I do I like I just think like Lil Nog is very good I've always been kind of a good boxer and he's long and tall and uses his reach relatively well you know but I feel like Shogun still kind of carries a bit of power and especially against a guy who's been around that long and taken that much damage and has only fought you know as I mentioned twice in the last four years I think it's going to be very tough for him to maybe take those shots against a guy who's more well tuned to modern day MMA, so yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for him. Did a very interesting fight. Uh, a fight we probably thought we'd never see. Fabrizio Verdum versus Alexander Gustafsson. Gustafsson gone up to um, gone up to heavyweight for the first time, looking thick, very thick. And in the uh, in the photos I saw a couple of weeks ago, maybe he's a little bit more in shape now, but. Uh, and we saw Fabrizio, he was looking ticking off himself, and I, I know a lot about that, uh, in his last fight, and he looked horrendous in his last fight, coming back off of his uh, suspension. Uh, I, I I would have to favour Gustafsson in this, I just think he's a far superior fighter to Verdum, but we know I was with Verdum, he'd be looking to fall down to the ground, you know, even fake a fucking knockdown and to, to get a guy on top of him, and he'll try to go for a triangle, try to go for a submission, uh, so you always have to be wary about that, but... Uh, I'd favor Gustafson hugely in this fight. What, what do you think? Yeah, like uh, I definitely would. I think like a lot of times guys move to heavyweight uh, might be a bad idea, but with Gustafson, he's such a he's always been such a big light heavyweight that I I think he should have not not too much of a problem here. Uh, I think for Doom is a bit shop worn. He's a bit historically a bit chinny as well. So uh, yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably have to go with Gustafson to put him away early on on the feet. Yeah, I think Gustafsson yeah. will be wary of. He'll know all the tricks of like pretending to be hurt, dropping to his back. We've seen it all before so many times that it, there's no surprises there with Purdue anymore. And his jujitsu that kind of was this huge advantage for him. Just the game's kind of caught up with him, and guys can d- defend all these these submissions much better than they they have before. And mm-hmm. I just think his his he's he's over the hill basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, yeah, jujitsu doesn't work at the top level. One hundred percent, I agree. Exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you said there, Graham, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it anyway. It should be, it should be a fun fight, if a little bit sad maybe, but sure, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, under that, then we have Carlos Barza, the former champion of the world, fighting uh, Marina uh, Marina even uh, Rodriguez, who's coming into this unbeaten. She drew with Cynthia Calvillo in her last fight. She's beaten Tisha Torres, Jessica Aguilar, drew with Randa Marcos as well. Um, so it's a you know it's a big fight for her mm. against There's the former champion. Some close some close fights there, and Esparza is known to be in close fights too. And mm-hmm. uh, I could see Esparza just you know obviously she's not very good on the feet and doesn't really set up her takedowns too well, but but she's relentless. With her take down attempts and once she gets them she knows how to kind of keep girls there so I could see yes Barza eking out a decision here even though she's she's the underdog I wonder what the price is on the draw you know she's had two draws in her career before Esparza has lots of close fights could we could we get another draw here in this one I, I wonder draws are usually hold on let me I'm just clicking into it here draws are usually about 50 to 1 like um hold on let's let's see if there's a draw draw here is 50 to 1 exactly yeah Back to draw, fifty to one. There you go. I want, <laughs> oh, we want two euro. Imagine if it happened. Like I'd look like a fucking genius. So yeah, back to draw that one. Um, after that, then we have Paul Craig against Gadzumurad Antigulov, which you know Antigulov. We've seen him fighting before. He's he's fifteen wins by submission. We know about Craig's uh, Craig's submission game as well. So we could see a, a big fight like this on the ground. Um, Paul Craig to me, right. <laughs> 
Paul Craig is the sort of fighter who has probably lost about 90% of his career in the UFC, but he still has loads of wins, you know. He's one of those... Time-wise, yeah. (laughs) yeah, He's one of those guys who, you know, he could just pull a win out of absolutely nowhere. And if Antigulov takes him to the ground, you know, he'd, he'd probably have a big advantage there. But Craig... As long as Craig is surviving, he has a chance. I th- he'd probably, I think he'd probably get dominated in all areas of this fight. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he won't. Maybe he's improved an awful lot. But even if he does, he still has a chance. He always has that chance. But I'd have to favor Antigulov in, in a big way here. Is it Craig, like Craig to me, he's like those old school kind of uh, UK and Irish MMA. Like, even a little bit like Artem Labov, you know, who... Okay, Artem like lost most of his fights, but he's always in there. You know, he's he's always around, and he could catch you with that one big shot and kind of knock you out. Uh, and Paul Craig to me is, you know, he's a good fighter, but uh, yeah, what what do you think of Craig and, and this matchup for him? Yeah, well, like you know, he can definitely take a lot of damage, as you kind of uh, hinted at there. But over time, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, and he has looked a bit, you know, getting a bit more rocked with shots than maybe he should. Um, yeah, without that kind of big discrepancy towards uh, or towards him on the ground, I think I think he's probably going to get beaten beaten up here. But I, I, I don't know why. He, maybe I'm reading this fight wrong, but he's he's a favorite. But I don't really know why. He's the favorite in this fight. Yeah, Paul Craig is the favorite. Yeah, really. I mean, uh, hold on. I have a look at uh, Paddy Powers here. Uh, it doesn't come up on Paddy Powers, so maybe, maybe, yeah. Jesus, that's a bit mad, isn't it? Am I, am I just calling this fight totally wrong? Yeah, that's what I was, like. I was confident that I had this fight right, and then I saw the odds. I'm like, am I missing something here? But okay. I don't think so. Yeah, he is actually. Antigulov is yeah plus one hundred and ten and best fight odds. So. Just maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes, like you, you think of fight is one way, and you look at the kind of bookies odds, and it kind of confirms what you're thinking. Other times, you're like, oh, maybe I'm, am I missing something here? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm missing something completely. But who, who knows? Um, after that, then you have Alex Oliveira versus Peter Sabata. You know, two lads who've been around for a long time. Sabata, two lads, yeah. yeah two <laughs> <laughs> Sabata's record, like looking at it, it's actually pretty good. You know, his last fight against uh, Leon Edwards back in 2018. I think he was this a hashtag MMA retirement I think it probably was beat Ben Saunders Nicholas Dalby before that and has a lot of wins on kind of the local scene as well fought in the UFC yeah. back in the day and he has big, big gaps big gaps in his career where he didn't yeah. fight it um, yeah so maybe he's not as shop worn it has a lot of rest and stuff but I I, I don't know I think Oliveira will probably win a lofty decision yeah maybe uh, Oliveira big favourite there as well so uh, and then we have the Reese McKee versus uh, Hazmat Shimaev fight uh, Reese McKee plus 800 to win this so if you want if you want to if you really favour Reese McKee and you think he's going to win there's plenty of money to be made uh, on him here Reese McKee by TKO KO plus 1800 on best fight odds here I'm looking at. So what is that 17 to 1, 18 to 1, one of them? I'm, I'm never quite sure. That is, like, Reese McKee, what, even if you think he's going to get dominated by uh, Shimaev, everyone says he's the touch of death. You know, he has that knockout blow. Reese McKee, he's always had it in his, his career. To get 18 to 1 or 17 to 1 or whatever it is for him to knock a guy out, even though Shimeyev is a very, very good fighter, I'd be taking a piece of that any, any day of the week, you know. Um, but obviously, it's, yeah. very, it's a very tough Obviously, but, there's a lot of hype behind Shimeyev, yeah. especially after that John Phillips win. But like, but John Phillips is, he's, we've we've seen him for years, even before the UFC. He's very inconsistent. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's, he's he has gaping holes in, in his game on the ground. Um, so uh, it's really hard to know with, 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 like 
how how much was John Phillips and how much was Shemaev in, in that fight. But he definitely has a lot of a lot of people talking him up. But Reese McKee, you know, we've we've seen a lot more of him, and we, as you said, we've seen him we've seen him just hit people with, with what doesn't seem like a knockout blow, but it's just the pop on it's go, is is great and the timing is great and they they go down and we've you know. Uh, People like uh, Joy Herbert, who's who's in the UFC now. Obviously, we're going to talk about him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's fighting Trinaldo. Like you know, he's since he lost to, to Reese McKee and um, getting knocked out in the first round, I believe it was. Uh, he's gone on to, to big things. So, like sometimes when when like a prospect gets a late notice guy who just gets signed to the UFC, he's just there to lose. But like Reese is definitely well rounded and, and has a chance in this fight. Um, Obviously, Norman Park fighting there recently is 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 a help to to uh, Reese, who was obviously helping them get ready for that fight. And uh, it's it's not as if he's just been sitting at home during this quarantine. He's been he's been helping his teammate get ready. And Reese is a guy who was always in shape. You never see Reese with a bit of a belly on him or anything like that. So. Uh, and with 170, there's not going to be too much of a problem with cutting the weight. And if there's any, if anybody's going to have any trouble cutting the weight, it's going to be Shimaev, who obviously fought uh, up 15 pounds in, in his last fight. So I, I don't think this is a write-off. Like some of the responses seem to be uh, to to this fight, uh, but I I'd have to go with Shimaev to to win a decision. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like I think it's bad matchmaking, but on short notice, I, I don't think it needed to be made because Shimaev only fought a couple of weeks ago. Like you could have made this fight a couple of weeks down the the line, but whatever, I suppose. I I think. Like you look at Chimaev right, and obviously he's a very strong wrestler. We saw it the last day, and you look at Reese McKee's record, and you see that loss to Terry Brazier, and you know, stick out like a sore thumb in a fight where he got wrestled for the whole fight and pushed up against the cage. Now that was a small cage as well. I think it was Sean Dinier one. The lads mentioned it over there, and this is a bigger cage, obviously in, in the UFC this weekend, which will be a help. And I think that small cage and that result actually looks a lot worse on paper than it does when you actually kind of go back and think about it. But it still happened, you know, and that's. That's a key, I think. Like, has Reese McKee changed everything and fixed that problem that was in his game? You know, has will that happen to him again? Like, because if he's the exact same fighter as he was that night, Shimaev is just going to beat him. You know, probably thirty twenty six or thirty twenty seven, thirty twenty five or something like that. You know, it's going to be one of those fights. But if he is intelligent enough, like maybe he's. Um, his movement on the feet before it even gets to the cage or, you know, getting the that underhook on one side and the, the wrist control on the other side and getting out, you know, Israel Adesanya style, pulling him straight up. Like, um, Reese is a big, tall guy as well for, for that weight, even though, you know, he's fought down the weight. Uh, and I think that will benefit him. So if he's, like, if he's got those, uh, you know, locked down... Um, he has every chance to win this fight. This is these are these odds are way off. And like, okay, it could be a thirty twenty seven as I mentioned, but Reese McKee is no joke. Reese McKee against another guy who is what seven eight no or whatever like that. He shouldn't be those odds. He's a very very good fighter, yeah. and it's it, those they odds say are don't they say historically if somebody's over was it five and a half or six to one that if you if you bet on them in the long term historically they'll win. Mm-hmm. But I think this fight is more of a like you know this this being I I see on. Uh, Best fight odds that the the highest odds are nine point six seven. That's nearly nine to one mm-hmm. for a Reese to win the fight. I think that's that's too much. Obviously, uh, a lot of people probably like don't know Reese. Uh, like we pay attention to like Bama and and the local scene and mm-hmm. Cage Warriors, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people is just UFC or nothing or yeah. maybe the odd Bellator fight if if a Rampage or a Rory McDonald or, or somebody like that is fighting. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely think that maybe Shimaev is is going to be in a lot of accumulators but i definitely wouldn't be putting them in uh 
any accumulators at, at that price no way yeah I, I, I would agree and look it's great to see an Irish man back in the UFC again obviously Joseph Duffy retired last week and Conor McGregor retired a couple of weeks ago as well so we had no Irish man there in the UFC well, looking, for, looking forward to seeing them, their next fights <laughs> fight each other come back but uh, yeah it's, it's, it's going to be great and um, I can't wait, can't wait to see uh, Reese and he, he deserves it and, you know even if he loses this one he, he'll be back stronger uh, again uh, but I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't be writing him off um then, as you mentioned, Jai Herbert is the the top of the prelim card, and this fucking fifteen fight card will be there all night. It's a seven fight main card, but uh, one a.m. So it's not too bad, I suppose. But uh, as uh, you know, looking at Jai Herbert's record here, there's only one loss in that record, and that's Reese McKee. You know, he's beaten some really good lads since that. Joe McColgan, who we know from the Irish scene, beating Steve O'Keefe, uh, beating Jack Grant. You know, and coming into the UFC as well, he was supposed to fight Mark Chikese, I believe, but he's fighting Francisco Trinaldo now. Very tough matchmaking again, and this is even worse because, like, this this has been known for a few weeks or a few months, maybe even. Um, so there, I don't know. There's no explaining this one, but given someone like Jai Herbert, who's a very good fighter, and I'd probably favor him to beat Ronaldo, but close enough. It's I don't understand this matchmaking. Do you think Joe Silva would have done this? I know you're a big fan of Joe Silva's matchmaking, but I can't see Joe Silva doing matchmaking like this. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely a hard fight. Even if you win, to look to look good in. If if Ronaldo is anywhere near what he was when he fought what six months ago or less, which he probably will be, you know. Uh, uh, okay, maybe he's he's a bit over the hill, but he's he's still uh, he's still like been fighting like you know ranked guys for a long time. And Joy Herbert's obviously you know he, he's on a tear since since the. Uh, since the Reese McKee loss, and that was early in both of their careers. I think both were four and zero at the time. It's like nearly four years ago. You can kind of nearly nearly forget about that at this stage. But it's definitely no no easy easy entry into the UFC. And we all these guys coming from the European scene, even back to the Duke and Wah, and all of them, they haven't been given kind of a nice entry fight that maybe you mentioned Joe Silva would have given them back in the day. But yeah, just a lot more fight cards now. There's probably not time to think and study these guys and make a make a you know a favorable matchup for all of them. There's so much shit going on. Maybe that's part of it as well. But yeah, no. I back in the day, I, I think both uh, Reese and Joy Herbert would have been given more favorable style matchups. Do you think Conor McGregor ruined it for everyone? <laughs> everyone like because the the cage warrior scene is a fantastic betting for fighters coming into the UFC and especially like Reese I think could have probably done with another couple of fights and won that title you know and that was his plan I listened back to the interview I did with him and he kind of said that, that exact thing to me Jai Herbert has kind of maybe had those fights and I know Reese beat him a while back but Jai Herbert you know got the belt and he got those couple of fights and I think he was ready and like Reese is ready as well don't get me wrong but it, lots of guys when they get there like Jack Shore we saw him last week he was absolutely ready to get into the UFC you know uh, going in there fucking smashing lads and we've seen it over and over okay some it doesn't happen for everyone but i i think maybe <laughs> maybe this, that cage warriors betting actually gives the the matchmakers maybe a, not a false sense of security but a sense of security to put him into these big tough fights to think oh maybe i'll have the next conor mcgregor here he'll come in and he'll beat fucking trinaldo in his first fight and everyone think he's absolutely fantastic beating this guy with fucking 40 fights or whatever but i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm misreading it. yeah um it's hard, it's hard to know but maybe they're just you know sink or swim yeah. are you ready or not like they're kind of being more cutthroat and ruthless than than before where there was like a ufc caliber thing and it was kind of like you know um 
it was it was kind of you had to build your name a, a lot especially on the european scene you had to build your name like among that scene before you'd, you'd even be talked about to the ufc nowadays you know you can get signed kind of unexpectedly and nobody's that surprised yeah that's true uh then we have nicholas stalby versus jesse ronson obviously nicholas stalby another cage warrior was he two-time cage warrior champion or my god mad he was one of ones anyway um Jesse Ronson we saw in the UFC a good while back so that should be another fun fight always fun when Dalby's in there probably blood and guts like always uh, Tom Aspinall then another cage warriors champion if I'm not mistaken fighting Jay Collier he's the guy who's going around training with Tyson Fury and all big heavyweight with big knockout power I, I, like I'm I'm not too sure let me see the odds for this fight um, Aspinall plus 235 or minus 235 sorry big favourite there I don't, I don't know about that maybe we'll, we'll see how it goes but he's big knockout power and he's very good as well uh, Mike Grundy going in here again which we saw in this scene against Movsar Ivalev Tanner Boser which who I think he only fought a couple of weeks ago performed very very well he's fighting Rafael Pizzoa Bitch Cohea the legend Ronda Rousey's toughest matchup ever fighting Pani Kinzad uh, Ramzan Imaev against Nicholas Stoltz and Nathaniel Wood against John Castaneda. Nathaniel Wood, word on him. Like it's that's a big fight for him. Uh, after his loss to John Dodson in his last fight, gotten getting knocked out in the third round. A fight which we said at the time as well, I think, was a little bit too quick, too quick, soon. Yeah. Uh big fight for him, isn't it? Coming back here trying to get back in the win column. Yeah, the guy he's fighting, like, you know, he 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 out of his last three fights he's lost two of them. So I think this is definitely a, a nicer matchup. Uh but uh it doesn't really do too much for him unless he unless he gets something spectacular here. I think, you know, if, you, if you, this guy, you, if you just go out and win a decision, people are going to be a bit disappointed. So maybe there's a little bit of extra pressure on him to go out there and uh, and finish this guy. But I don't think, looking at the guy's record, I don't know much about him besides that, but I think he should have no problem with this guy. And it'd be good to get back on the winning track. You know, uh, he, he got pushed early towards the, the, the upper echelon. Maybe John Donson's not the upper echelon now, but he's been there for a long time and fought those guys. And, and he did he like he didn't get totally outclassed or anything than Daniel Wood. So this is a good rebound fight. He should go out there and finish and then we can kinda we depending on what happens here, we can kinda put him back into into the kind of slow roll that maybe he should have got before in his first kind of run in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Not that he's been out of the UFC, but first kind of winning streak in the UFC. Yeah. So all in all, you know, pretty good card coming up here on uh, on Saturday night. There's also a card coming up um Bellator are coming back with their card, and we haven't really discussed that much. But just a, a quick, maybe brief look uh, at the card. Uh, we'll get to the main event in a second, but we've Jordan Mean, who we saw in the UFC obviously for a long time, against Jason Jackson, who's been on a couple of uh, close fights around there. We have uh, Bellator, uh, Bellator two four two. Who's my boy? Jordan Jackson, is it? Jason Jackson. Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico, yeah, my boy fighting Solo Hatley Jr. We have Jake Smith, fucking who was on the podcast last week for our play at him, and uh, a couple of other fights as well. What do you think of Aaron Pico coming back as well? You know, he's 5-3 and three now in his career for everyone who's saying he's the potential GOAT. Won his last fight, lost the two before that, obviously fighting Henry Corrales and uh, Alan <laughs> Barrocks, which is... You know, the tough no fight for, tough to, yeah, career, for yeah. anyone. But he fought back in January, so it's not that long of a layoff. And uh, good to see him come back eight and two against Solo Hatley Jr., who you know obviously don't know, no don't know that well. So maybe that's a that's a good sign. He's no big wins and he's his uh, record or anything like that. So good to see Aaron Pico back, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, like I definitely wouldn't write him off yet, but he definitely needs more of these solo Hatley matchups uh, than Adam Barrett's matchups uh, at this stage, this early stage of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And then the main event: uh, Sergio Pettis against Ricky Bandejas. Sergio Pettis obviously made his uh, Bellator debut back in January, and it was at the same card as the Pico, uh, where he got a knockout in in the first uh, three minutes or so of that one. And then uh, Ricky Bandejas, who we saw over in Ireland here uh, fighting uh, against. Franz Malambo and he got the knockout there as well back in February so two guys are not that long a layoff for a, a, a promotion that's been gone for a long time James Gallagher called the winner of this fight out on Instagram I believe the other day but this is a big fight for the division is because like there's been a lot of talk with, with James Gallagher and with Brian Moore and all those guys getting a fight with one of these and obviously Franz Malambo had the chance and he was doing really well against uh, Ricky Bandejas until it went really badly I suppose but um uh, Sergio Pettis is a guy who I think will do very well in Bellator just because he's such a steady, technical, very good fighter. Uh, and against Ricky Bandejas, you know, we kind of we saw Francis Malambo touching him up a good bit. And I, I think Sergio Pettis, I don't think Sergio Pettis is as kind of long and languid and has the same um, sorts of abilities as uh, as Francis Malambo, very different and obviously very good in, in his own way. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like Sergio Pettis will just have too much of a technical advantage over Ricky Bandejas and he won't get knocked out and he won't you know he won't take that big blow from Bandejas maybe that that Malambo did um but uh good fight though, all the same how, how do you think it'll go yeah like I've kind of <clears throat> underestimated Ricky Bandejas a few mm. times but I'm, I'm gonna pick against him again here but he does have a kind of knack of landing that that big strike to, to finish guys which is which is rare enough at this weight so Sergio Pettis will definitely have to be wary of that but he's fought some some very t- like high level guys and in the UFC, and I think, I think, as you said, he'd be more technical, and he'd probably have a little bit of a speed advantage on the feet. So, um, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to go with Pettis here, but I'd say it'd be, I'd say it'd be the rounds would be close enough, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say Pettis by decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, like this is kind of the sign that MMA is kind of coming back. You know, we had the UFC for an awful long time. I see here on Topology, just looking, there's an LFA card as well tomorrow. There's an Invicta coming up in a week, and we had one not too long ago as well. There's a one championship card, another LFA card. The Contender Series is coming back in 12 days from now as well. So, uh, it's MMA is kind of. MMA is getting back and getting back a bit to normal, even though America is in a, still in a fucking state. But sure, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a discussion for another day, but there's talk that Las Vegas might be shutting down again, but hopefully that doesn't happen and hopefully everyone's o- everyone's over there is safe, first of all, and then the UFC can keep putting on cars. But Bellator are going to Mohegan Sun, and I think it was Showtime Boxing as well said yesterday that they're going to be going to the Mohegan Sun as well, so that's kind of going to be their home base um, for, for all of those cars and for all of those fighters. So hopefully it can be done safely there and hopefully everything can be uh, can be done well and uh, and good and we can keep the fights going and keep the fights rolling. So a big week end of MMA Friday night Saturday night uh, late ones both of them the, the Bellator one as well as I reported the other day is on Sky Sports uh, and obviously the UFC on, on BT Sports as well I think the Bellator card is uh, a 3am start so late one there and 1am for the for the UFC so not so bad right we'll end it there Graham are we, are we, we're not going to talk about you getting called out again for your uh, judging uh, holier than thou attitude. Yeah, a few people have called me out actually. <laughs> I, I like, I got really mad there the other day. You know, did you see that fucking clip that MMA Fighting put up, just talking absolute shit about uh, judging? And then Din Thomas was on it as well, and just 
blabbing oh my god like the, the thing about like the problem is it's uh, fighters and coaches and all they're the ones that were actually the holier than thou attitude towards it because they think they know the rules of the sport without even re- reading them like if they read the rules of the sport if they sat down for an hour read the rules of the sport they would understand it and be able to talk about it way better than me because i don't have that experience of being in there i don't know what it's like to be stuck in a rear naked choker getting punched in the face or anything like that but they just won't do that so like what am i supposed to do or, just... or you're just wrong <laughs> <laughs> and you're it's a, it's a matter of opinions and your opinion it's, is wrong but it's not opinion no it's, <laughs> not, it's written there like the rules are written there and people just refuse to read them like even people who have read them and then just yeah, ignore even, them as well even even people who like who know the rules and who who understand the rules like judges for example uh, they disagree on rounds and they disagree on fights so it's definitely of opinions and like you know for example that dj versus a hudo fight is like you know i thought at the time or it could go either way you thought it was clearly dj but mm. like like i like i have no problem with people scoring that for the hudo um i think i i think you know it's kind of what what you think is more impactful and what you think is yeah. and there's definitely a lot of that going on and a fight like that where there's two really fast guys and a lot of stuff happening it's especially mm-hmm. hard to judge so i think you know, there's definitely some fights where people are like saying, calling it a, a robbery or calling for a guy to win that definitely didn't win but i i don't think that's a that's a good example yeah, but that, okay fair enough forget about that for but, but your point there about it being about opinions uh, see that's that's an odd thing to say because you'll take that in two different ways like if you have an opinion, Alexander Gustafsson fights Verdum, uh, and the first round comes out, Gustafsson knocks him down, and Verdum uh, gets him. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on, hold on, yeah, but hold on a second. So Gustafsson knocks him down, big shot. Verdum gets him in a triangle, almost finishes him. Which of them means more? Which of them was more immediately impactful? Judge A might say the knockdown. Judge B might say the uh, the the submission. And that's that's the thing where you get opinion in it, and you like you can't fault the judges for that. They're sent there to judge. They're sent there to, uh, you know, they have experience for years and years and years. And like, if you can't understand and you can't live with that, you know, there's no way you can watch MMA because MMA is always going to be like that. It's always going to be a matter of which, uh, you know, which had more of an impact, which landed more. No matter what system you had, it doesn't matter if you've open scoring or any of this shit. You know, the, the fight scored as a full round. It doesn't matter. The problem I have is when they say, when people say judging is just a matter of opinion all around. It's not. It's written there. You know, it's uh, what's the difference between a ten nine, ten eight? No one knows or a ten seven. Well, it's written there. We can see it. There, you know, there's there's an actual criteria written that we can look and we can see what uh, constitutes a ten eight and what constitutes a ten seven. Yeah, some some people could watch it one uh, around you 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 for example would score a 10 8 and ben carlage for example would score a 10 9 because the maybe you, t- you in your opinion the impact of the mm-hmm. little the little tiny things that the fighter losing 10 8 or 10 9 did in the round was was greater or lesser than the other judge thought and that's that's why it's uh, people say it's, it's obviously yeah, but- not all about opinions but there's opinions all the time you have to make these snap judgments in the moment yeah. and it's the, your the opinion problem, of what happened i think the biggest problem with mma is not that because our mma judging is not that because we're both agreeing you know one fighter either one a 10 8 one fighter either one a uh, 10 9 the problem is the person who has never read the rules and saying the opposite fighter won it because he had octagon control and he was pushing that guy back that's the problem <laughs> you know or the problem is uh saying that someone got uh, laid on top 
for uh, five minutes of the round, but they got elbowed to shit. And the guy on the bottom obviously run the round because he uh, elbowed him to shit. And they're looking, they go, but they controlled the octagon. They had, you know, they had the uh, the pressure for the whole fight. He was on top of him. How can you lose a round when you're on top for five minutes? You know, that that's the problem with judging. It's not a problem like if there's a very close round or a very close to a 10-8, 9 round and you disagree in it. But there's always going to be disagreements. There's always going to be, and like the referees, you know, or, the, or sorry, the judges, they might have the different side of the cage. They might see the right punch. You know, they might... Um, uh, they might think one shot is more impactful than another shot. You know, it, it, things like that are always going to. They might favor a style, or they might like. There is no way stuff. to solve that. There's no. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, but I think, I for think example, when you were when you were when you were getting um, like some guys, like you know, for example, they they get they obviously think more of leg kicks or think more of body kicks than others, and you know all that I stuff. I don't, I don't agree with that. You don't agree uh, with no, that? No, I don't agree. I think if you throw a leg kick and it's as impactful as a punch in the face, it'll be scored as it's as impactful as a punch in the face. If it does as much damage, you know. But I think like when guys get grazed in the in the face, it scores more than like a heavy leg kick, even though the heavy leg kick is probably I wouldn't agree with more that. impactful. I wouldn't agree with that. I think like the guys more can, the, guys can land loads yeah. of heavy leg kicks and be grazed, or maybe like you know it'll, stumble after being grazed, and that'll be a much higher or the impact of that would be much thought of much higher than it actually was do you know in the last but i think for example when we brought this up in uh the henry zahudo dj fight that one of the one of the people who was calling you out talked about i think like a fight like that like it's so like especially the first time when you're watching it live it's, it's so much is happening and there's so such close rounds i, mm-hmm. I think like you know if somebody scored that either for either fighter i have no problem with that yeah fair enough. but like the thing is right we've done this over and over we talk about it judging decisions every week on the podcast and i can always explain why they scored it that way like there's some fights i can't there's and they're very rare you know i do the the thing at the end of the year getting the robbery of the year and it's very hard to get nominations for that but like <laughs> i think that's the problem like some people they tweet at the end of the fight how the fuck did they get that score and i think that's the problem like if if you under, if you can't understand how they got to that score i think it's it's very rarely that that's the judge's fault it's more like it's probably ninety nine percent of the time the people who are sending that tweet's fault because they haven't. And read sometimes the rules. just like you know, just uh, sometimes they know the rules. Like, but it's bias. Yeah, for example, you have this guy in your accumulator, or you, mm-hmm. you you always like this fighter, or for example, you know, in other sports like Bruno Fernandez jumps up and stomps on a guy, gets a penalty, and all the Man United fans think it's a penalty because they're biased. Yeah, and all Liverpool fans think it's done. It's not, but yeah, exactly it, because it's not. But like, like <laughs> the thing about that is. We, we have to separate the judges from that. I, like, we talk about it every week, and we look at it. You know, you you agree with me? I know you're playing, maybe playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but like, the judges get it right almost all the time. I think it was was it seventeen decisions in a row on Fight Island, and that one split decision between them. Like, is that just a pure coincidence that all the judges agreed on the same winner? There was no split decision, and I think it was seven. Maybe it was a little bit less around that. All the judges agreed, and there's people coming out on Twitter saying these judges are inexperienced and they don't know what they're doing. They should have American judges instead. Like, that, to me, is ridiculous. Like, how, can anyone explain how judging is shit and how you can have 17 fights in a row where all the all three judges agree on every fight? And you can... Was, there, was there rounds mixed in, though, that were different, or was it... Like, there was there it probably was, but like, there was, there was yeah. close rounds and all, but, like, that's... I think... There's no mistake in that, like, that. that's that's something you can't just have no rules and no regulations. It's all a matter of opinion. 
and and you come to that you have a stat like that like i think it's also part that people like arguing about decisions and like refereeing decisions in football and rugby yeah. and mma and boxing it, it adds to the drama and it adds to the like you know people don't want to like for example people don't want to admit that they were their their pick was wrong mm-hmm. they just think oh the judges got it got it wrong and like i'm sure we've all been guilty of that and like you know you're watching ireland play rugby or watching ireland play football or whatever for example and a 50 50 decision you'll think should go for you because the passion and the the bias and i think mm-hmm. that's definitely in there as well but there's definitely fights where rounds are so uh, so razor close that you could score a meter away and it depends what you kind of think was yeah. more impactful and i definitely think that one that you got called out on the dj Cejudo one even though like i could watch that back and think oh yeah, yeah you're right dj won that i think it's mm-hmm. close enough that somebody's saying Somebody saying they think Cejudo win it is perfectly valid. That was a long time ago as well. Like that, you know, that was. Uh, and maybe I went to maybe the internet I, never forgets, Sean. Yeah, but maybe I was showing my bias there a little bit towards <laughs> you know Demetrius Johnson because I love a bit of Demetrius Johnson. But like, if I went back, I, I must go back and watch it again. It'd be an interesting one. Maybe I'll do in the rewatch and I'll go back and watch it again. But like that fight was 2018, so I I think my ability to look at fights is better since it was back then. Not saying I'm perfect or anything. Like, well, you're a Man United fan, so you're living in the past. So that's kind of... <laughs> I'm not Man United in the future. No, what are you talking about? We're, we're on the way. We're on the way up. We're, we're getting better. But yeah, look, anyway, I put out the call anyway to people if they wanted to, to talk about judging. Like, because I think even what we've had here in the last five minutes, I think that's good because it might encourage people to go and read the rules or look at fights in maybe a different sort of way and see. Like, even I put out that clip during the week after kind of talking to Ben and uh, about, you know, the part about... Um, effective grappling and effective striking being written alongside each other in the uh, unified criteria or the the updated criteria so like a a knockdown uh, that almost ends the fight is scored the exact same as a submission that almost ends the fight like that's something that people might not understand or might not 100% get and think like effective grappling is just laying on top of someone when it's actually not you know laying on top of someone and I think it's it's also harder to judge for like a a layman or a casual fan for example or somebody what who like somebody's watching and they you can kind of see like oh this guy's nearly knocked out just by wobbling around falling around the place but a submission sometimes if you're not if you're not like a grappler yourself or watched a lot of grappling or, or a lot of MMA you might not really know what's going on or how close it is or you might be influenced by like a Joe Rogan screaming that something's close when it's not yeah. for example and all that stuff mm-hmm, 100% and I, I think it's very important as well to see it from a judge's point of view like sometimes we look at referees and like a Kevin McDonald, you know he falls on top of fighters and he gets caught up in the fights and all judges don't have that like judges are sitting there and they're kind of cool and calm and they're looking very specifically for what they look at you know luke thomas did a video there during the week and he was talking about judging and i think he made a couple of good points and i wouldn't agree i wouldn't agree with most of them but he made a you know he john pollock i think said it as well on twitter you know about looking at these fights and they're so complicated and uh, that gustafson or uh, sorry the um volkanovsky holloway fight was such a complicated tactical fight that it's not unfair to give the judges the job to judge that and i couldn't disagree with that more like the judges are not looking at the tactics of the fight you know when i watch the fight i'm saying like oh if max holloway throws this knee it might be better he should go for a takedown you know this guy should throw a spinning back kick you know i'm looking at the tactics of the fight as well as scoring and it's very tough the judges are looking at nothing but how impactful is that strike 
uh, how impactful is that uh, takedown? Is he smashing him with that takedown? Is, am I going to score that takedown? You know, is uh, who's winning this round? It, like, is is this guy uh, deep enough in that choke for me to score that more than not? That's what the judges is are thinking about. Is that big striker, big submission attempt skewed around or changed around exactly. for the other guy? Was it enough? And you got to yeah. make this decision like That's before they come about. to collect your your mm-hmm. your score straight after the round. So it's you got to make a snap yeah. opinion decision on a lot of That's things. All they're thinking. Of. We must remember that as well. They're not thinking like us. They're not thinking like tactics. Who you know? They're they're not thinking. Is this guy up three rounds to one? All they're thinking of is the last four minutes fifty nine seconds before they write in their card to say who won that round. They're not thinking of the first round and the fourth round like maybe we are when we're doing the fight. And I'm tweeting out my score. I think it's three one. Maybe the first round's well. The judges are not thinking of that. They're scoring this as five separate fights or three separate fights. They hand it up after each round. That's the way they're. Th- well, I, I think we. All right, I'm, we're going to be a five-hour podcast if we get into this, but I think we need to kind of put ourselves in their shoes a little bit more and think about it from from the way they think about it and think about it from the rules which they score via. And I think if you do that, it makes a lot of these decisions a lot more uh, explainable to you as someone who maybe looks at it from an unbiased point of view. But anyway, look, that was that was one. As, as we should leave it on as uh, as your favorite judge said, we wouldn't trust you to judge a hot dog uh, eating contest. <laughs> So uh, don't don't listen to Sean. We'll see you on Sunday. Good luck. <laughs>